This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. to the Swamp 24-7 podcast. I'm Thomas Goldcamp, joined here today by Blake Alderman. Blake, we got a lot to talk about. I think first and foremost, uh, you know, I know we've started a YouTube channel and the reaction to that has been overwhelmingly positive, guys. You've been incredibly supportive. I think we already have over 600 subscribers. You guys seem to be really enjoying the video content we're providing and particularly bringing the podcast over to the video format in YouTube. So we thank you for your support there. Blake, I guess kind of jumping into things, the basketball team now has put together back-to-back wins. You know, we've talked at length about some of the inconsistency we've seen from that team. And and really, even in just that two-game winning streak, you can kind of see it. Didn't really close things out well against Georgia. We're a little bit sloppy, turned the ball over. Just kind of, you know, a ho-hum performance, but they did get the win at home. And then I think to be able to see that followed up last night against Auburn with a, a much more convincing win, I think Florida at this point has to feel very, very good about it. its NCAA tournament chances. Gators are a lock for the dance. They're at number 27 in the NET team ranking. So a little bit of positive for Florida basketball right now. No doubt, but it's always kind of the, the, the name of the game with them is it's just, it's a bumpy road, man. Like there's, there's highs are high and the lows are low. Uh, you know, like you said, closing games out, not staying consistent, you know, sure they can have some big time wins like they did. They come out against Auburn. They have that convincing win. And you have some games where you just drop a game that you quite frankly shouldn't be dropping against, you know, an opponent opponent that Florida should be able to take care of. So it still seems like the same kind of song and dance. The positives are is that Florida does seem to play a little bit better when it does get time for that, you know, big dance SEC tournament type things, you know, can they ride the high? Can they finish out the season and continue to kind of pad these things and carry the things over into, you know, the postseason? that's, you know, obviously you're playing for the postseason. You don't want to ignore these games going forward, but I think focusing on the things that have continued to kind of plague Florida, I think that's where you need to focus the most. Sure. It's been an unorthodox year. You have some COVID things. You have, you know, one of your best players down earlier in the season. So um, at this point, the fight is great. You know, these guys are definitely showing the grit. They're definitely showing, you know, that, you know, never say die attitude, but just focusing on those little things that have continued to plague them, not just this year. But I mean, I'm talking, you know, even back earlier in Mike White's career, those are the things that Florida just needs to continue to get over. Um, and if they can get rid of those, you know, get over those things and, and kind of get rid of some of that play um, as we near the postseason, I think that you'll see this team, you know, there's definitely some talent there, but it just seems like they get in their own way at times. No doubt. And I think one of the things you see with this team, though, right now, I think, is they do have a lot of different guys that can make an impact on any given night. You know, Anthony Deruji has been a pleasant surprise. Colin Castleton's probably been one of your more consistent guys. You know, even Scotty Lewis, I thought, had a better outing last night against Auburn. And for Florida to be consistent in the NCAA tournament, I think you need more of those players to perform at a consistent level. You know, Tyree Appleby's got to clean up the turnovers, that kind of thing. But anyway, I don't want to spend too much time on basketball because spring football is going right now. We've got a lot to speak about on that. Um, But I do think, like you said, Florida has a tendency to drop games that it shouldn't drop. And if you're talking about one of those games earlier in the season, that home loss against Kentucky was really ugly. And now Florida gets the chance to go on the road 
play that Kentucky team again, you'd like to see Florida kind of figure out what it did wrong in that Kentucky game where the matchups were maybe bad and be able to adjust around that and start to put together a little bit more momentum heading into the postseason. But uh, Blake, let's shift over to spring football. Florida's already had three practices. They had their first practice in full pads on Monday night. And uh, I recorded a video after for the YouTube channel and, and talked about some of the early you know, impressions that we've picked up. Uh, but I wanted to, to, to get your take a little bit more. Florida is going to have its fourth practice of the spring tonight. I think quarterback's a big question mark. Um, I, I think it's probably too early to have any big takeaways. But are you surprised by anything that we've heard out of either players or coaches or just, um, you know, I know even we've hit behind the scenes a little bit with some of our sources to post some notes about anything, I guess really throwing it to the whole offense, about anything we've heard on offense so far. You know, I don't know that there's necessarily anything that's been a big surprise. I think that you're going to see Florida kind of tailor their offense a little bit more that fits the Emory Jones, Anthony Richardson type of, you know, type of games where, you know, you see a little bit more runs, you see a little bit more just things that fit their more athletic style compared to Kyle Trask, who's just that gunslinger that can, you know, is really accurate with the ball and can fit things in, in spots to where not a lot of guys can do. Um, you know, I, I don't know if this is necessarily like earth shattering, but just the reports of Demarcus Bowman really showing out. I, I don't think me sitting there saying that a former or five-star number two type of guy, um, it, you know, playing well. I don't know if that's going to be a big surprise, but I think whenever you see a guy that is moving into a new offense, new setting, there, there are some question marks. You know, you never know, is this guy going to thrive in this type of system? And all things considered, it seems like he's definitely, you know, just as good as advertised. You know, he's strong, he's fast, you know, he can do lots of things. And one of the things that was so surprising to me, and I, and I, and I kind of laughed when I saw it, was uh, that wheel route that they had on the uh, Instagram live video feeds of, you know, where he caught that ball and was gone. It's funny because, you know, just coming out of high school, I think he caught very few balls just because Lakeland's offense that they had, they were a really run heavy team. So, you know, I was sitting there, I think I said it on either one of our last podcasts or on some, something that we put together that, you know, I didn't think he was going to be a big time guy to catch the ball of the field. And, you know, there he is getting that big, that big catch on that wheel route and, you know, showing that speed. So, um, you know, overall, I don't know that we've seen enough and obviously practicing in, you know, in shells and in helmets and whatnot, and then putting on the pads are two different things. We've only had one practice in the pads that we've seen so far. So there's still things to see here, but you know, overall, um, you know, that's one thing that definitely caught my eye is that DeMarcus Bowman is still just as good as advertised. Um, and you know, we'll continue to see there. I think you can see some of the inconsistencies with Emory Jones and Anthony Richardson, but overall, I mean, they've thrown some good balls for sure, but I want to see those guys, um, continue to get better at that you know sure you know they've shown that they can make throws but then they've also showed that they you know that they can make some bad throws too so you know which isn't out of the ordinary when dealing with quarterbacks but whenever you have a guy like Kyle Trask and I'm not saying these guys have to be Kyle Trask I don't think anyone expects him to be Kyle Trask it's really hard with what he did last season I mean that's just it's 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 foolish to think that you're going to be able to do that but you just want to see those guys take that next step because they have had inconsistencies in their game especially through the air. Well, I mean, that, and that's the big question mark. I mean, even even out of high school, both guys, you know, I think Emory Jones, I want to say his senior year, he was somewhere around a 60% passer. Anthony Richardson, that was kind of the book on him coming into Florida. You know, he was going to have, you know, some adjustments to make in terms of how he throws the football, that kind of thing. Um, but that is the early reports, you know, maybe a little bit errant as far as accuracy, something that needs to be worked on. Um, but going back to a point you made, you know, Bowman is obviously a huge focal point for fans this spring because of his former five-star status, the elite breakaway speed. You talked about it. We saw it on that one Instagram clip. That's something that's definitely stood out. And, and Lorenzo Lingard's another guy that has really impressed early in the spring in terms of his breakaway ability. I think those two from a speed standpoint are simply on a different level than the rest of the backs. 
Now, how Florida finds, you know, a way to balance the carries between those five and, and kind of fit things that way, we still don't really know. But I do think there's a point to be made for, like you said, it's very early on still. I mean, they're just getting into padded football. And when you're talking about an offense that's going to run the ball a lot, particularly using that zone read, some of those concepts, you're not going to get a great feel for it. I would say even in spring ball, you know, you're really going to need some live games to understand how these types of plays hit and which types of backs kind of get it naturally. You can get some of that in the three scrimmages that Florida will have. Um, But, you know, as far as us making, you know, sweeping takeaways, as far as how it's going to look, it's hard to do. I mean, like you said, the Instagram live, it's great. I'm glad that Florida is providing that for us. And it does give you some takeaways, but it's hard to take away too much. Um, Blake, one thing that definitely I think has caught my eye just on the Instagram lives and, and speaking to some sources within the program who have been at practice, the receivers are really standing out. And, and that was a group that we knew was going to have big shoes to fill when you lose a Kyle Pitts, you lose a Kadarius Tony. I wanted to ask you about one guy in particular. And uh, before I do that, I'll go ahead and say that Xavier Henderson is a guy that I've been told has really, really taken a step forward this spring. He's pretty much in that starting mix now. Of, of receivers that Florida is really going to be able to count on. He's really taking his game to the next level. But another guy who's really surprised Blake is true freshman early and early Dejon Reynolds. And I wanted to get your take on what he kind of was as a high school receiver. And then we can talk about what we've heard from him so far in Florida's spring practice. Well, sure. Whenever you think about him as a recruit, the unfortunate part of his senior year was that he did have that, that injury that kept him from playing his senior year. I want to say it was an ACL tear or something to that effect. It kept him from playing that senior year. And this is coming off of a junior year where I think he caught something like 88 balls or something like that. And that was before when he was at, uh, I believe it was Central Gwinnett. He was there and he, he eventually transferred to Grayson High School, wasn't able to play, like I said, due to the injury. But I mean, a guy that can catch I mean, anything. You see a guy that gets 88 catches. Sure, he's not the fastest guy in the world, but he's got that size to what Florida really likes in the receivers. I'm not saying he's slow, but he's just not that speedy electric type of guy to what you would see. You know, you would be surprised when you see Xavier Henderson, how big he is, but also how quick he is. I don't know that Dejon Reynolds is that same type of mold, but he's one of those guys that's going to be able to box guys out. He's got the size, and he's got that dog in him that where he's going to try to attack the ball. He's going to try to compete. And I think those are the things you need to be when you're a freshman. You need to be confident in your own game. And he's always kind of shown that confidence, you know, whether you're talking to him, whether you're seeing him play or even watching his film. He's got a lot of confidence in his game, and I think that's going to translate to that next level. It, like I said, it was hard to get a good read on him from his senior year because I do think a lot of guys make a big jump from junior year to senior year, especially whenever you go to a high school like Grayson High School, which has a lot of big-time talent around him. And that's even just competing in practice against you know guys that are going to be D1 type of players. Those guys were going to make him better as the year went along. So, like I said, it was hard to get a good read on him from that senior year just because of the fact that he wasn't able to play due to injury. But when you look back at that junior that junior season and all the catches that he was able to get uh, I mean he's just a reliable type of receiver and sure you, you may not need him to make those big dynamic plays to where he blows the top off of a defense but if you have a guy that can move the sticks and you know you can rely on him to catch the ball those are the type of guys that are going to get thrown into the fire early and I think that's what he brings and what, what stood out so far this spring is just his physicality you know he's a very very physical receiver and I think when you talk about you know some of the guys he, he's gone against uh, you can see that he's used to playing against high-level players. And uh, I think he's a guy that certainly you watch, you know, in terms of younger guys that could make a jump. He's one. And, I, and again, I go back to Xavier Henderson having a really good spring so far. Blake, let's talk about some of these other early enrollees um, because I know that you'll have a better understanding of kind of 
what they are coming in. But Jason Marshall is a guy that we've talked about a lot on the podcast in the past. Five-star prospect at cornerback. He's a guy that both Mahmoud Diabate, Diabate got to say that right, and uh, I got called out for it on the Swamp 24-7 message board, so good on you guys for straightening me out. Um, so Diabate and both Trey Dean, you know, really had positive things to say about Jason Marshall. Can you once again just kind of walk us through, you know, his game as a player? Elite in coverage. Very physical. When you look at some of the guys wide receiver-wise that he went up against his senior year, playing in that Miami-Dade, you know, area down there, you know, playing the Miami Northwesterns, playing lots of talented teams down there. He was a guy that, I mean, he's sticky. He's very aggressive in his coverage. Um, you know, I think he's going to be one that can continue to get better in certain aspects of his game, which isn't shocking coming from, you know, being a senior in high school to being a freshman in college. But he's just very athletic. He's very physical. He's got that size. Maybe not the tallest guy in the world, but he's very lanky. And those are the type of guys that always see, he just always seems to find a way to get the ball out. And he's very good as being a boundary corner guy. But I think with Florida trying to put a little bit more man coverage into their game and how aggressive he is in his coverage, I think you're going to continue to see him get better with the coaching that he's going to get this spring. So it's great for Florida to get a guy like that in there for the spring because that's only going to help him just continue to get on a fast track and continue to learn and, you know, hopefully make an impact, you know, whenever the fall rolls around. Well, and he's a guy that I think a lot of people expected maybe could compete for a starting job sure. right away. I, I know you were high on another early enrollee cornerback that's, you know, that's at Florida now, and he's a guy that Diabate actually really praised, and that's Jordan Young. Like, what does he bring to the table? He's not very fast, you know, whenever you look at just a, in terms of his game, um, but he's very physical. And I think that, you know, kind of going back to Dejon Reynolds to where that physicality really kind of helps him. Jordan Young is a guy that I've seen play safety. I've seen him play corner. I think you could even throw him in the nickel in certain instances, um, maybe depending on what type of coverage you're going to be. I don't know that he's a guy you want to throw against one of those speedy, you know, slot, you know, receiver type of guys. But he's one of those guys that I think that he has that versatility there to where, and I think his physicality can tend to make up for that speed. If he gets beat on a play, he's going to be able to be able to, you know, catch up with some of those guys and he's going to attack the ball. So I think that that physicality is something that, and, and, the physicality is definitely going to help him, but I think he's one of those guys that's also very coachable. He wants to learn. He wants to get better, and I think that those are kind of another guy, too, that, you know, isn't coming in thinking, you know, well, I was a top recruit coming out of high school, you know, blah, 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 this, blah, 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 that. I don't think he's going to have that chip on his shoulder coming in. I think he's genuinely a guy that wants to come in, and he wants to learn, and he wants to get better, and I think that he's going to soak up a lot of that coaching that he's going to get this spring. Well, Blake, physicality seems to be a word that is coming up a lot in the secondary at receiver this spring. Which is what they need, because when you look at the secondary this past year, there just wasn't the physicality what you wanted. That's exactly where I was going with that. And I think what we've heard from, from Florida's defenders so far this year is that Wesley McGriff in particular has really been harping on man-to-man -man coverage concepts, and that seems to be a clear shift. I know uh, I talked about it a little bit on a video, so I've been on YouTube previously. But, Blake, I mean, fans were livid with some of the cushions that the defensive backs gave opponents last year. Uh, how, how encouraged are you to hear, I guess, that they're going to be going to a little bit more man-to-man -man press style next year? I'm happy for it. You know, I, I'm happy to see that because whenever you look at some of those things that they gave up, you know, it's easy to, you know, you, sure, an offense going against your defense may not be able to notice, you know, right off the rip you know, that they're going to do this, they're going to do that. But whenever after a while you get into more into the game, when you start seeing those guys back up, you know that you're going to get that five yard. You can run a slant if, you know, on even on third and short, whatever, you know, any type of down and distance, if you've got that short yardage, you knew that it was going to be fairly easy to pick up because, you know, I mean, they're just giving 10 yards, you know, eight yards, something like that, you know, for a receiver to make a move. So 
I think getting in there and being more physical, I think is something that's really going to help Florida just because like I said, you know, you just didn't see the physicality there in the, in the defense. And I think a large part of that had to be with, you know, you're already giving a guy, you know, the advantage on the offensive side of the ball, whenever you're going to play off so far. And I think that Florida, when you think of Florida's defense and you think of those defensive backs, you think of a really physical, you know, guy that's going to attack the ball. He's going to try to pull the ball down. He's going to try to get the turnover on you. And you just didn't see that from Florida's defense last year. Yeah, no, there's, there's no doubt that the Florida has to get more physical on the outside. And then I think, like you said, you, you want to see Florida make more plays on the ball. Well, guess what? It is sometimes more easy to make plays on the ball when you're in phase with a receiver running with him down the field rather than, you know, trying to read the quarterback in his own coverage and then break on the football. We, we saw it a couple times last year where Florida did that successfully, but more often than not, you know, receivers just had too much space. The ball gets out so much quicker these days. You know, I think opposing offenses really have – a long way in the last five to ten years in terms of being able to get the ball out very quickly go up tempo on you create issues that way so I know that communication and a sense of urgency have been a big focus for Florida this spring and I also think getting their confidence up too. you see Trey Dean pulling out the you know the handcuffs there I think those little things like that is going to continue to get those guys that struggled last year in the secondary I think that that confidence is going to keep them boosted up too and and it's fun you know football should be fun and I think little things like that make practice fun it makes the environment work better it makes guys compete better because you know if I'm on offense and I see a guy pull out some handcuffs like he just locked me up next play I'm trying to go out and I'm trying to get him you know like I think those are the type of things make competition fun and what's makes what makes football fun no doubt and I think you know when you do have two new coaches in the secondary, like I said, I think that can breathe life into some of these guys that have maybe been around a little bit, a la a Trey Dean, who's maybe struggled. All of a sudden now you get a new coach there. He says, hey, you're the veteran. I need you to help coach these young guys up. That naturally is going to create some confidence for you. So I think we, we're, we're hoping we see some more of that going forward from Florida. Again, it's early. We, don't, we haven't seen a scrimmage yet or anything like that. Um, but I do think there's some encouraging things to take away, at least from what we're hearing about you know, spring practice right now. Like, let's take a quick break. We haven't talked recruiting in, in quite a while on the show, and I know part of that is, you know, with the early signing period nowadays, once you get past that, there's generally not a whole lot to, to get to. Um, but I want to kind of set the board for uh, the 2022 recruiting class now and, and just kind of evaluate from a scholarship standpoint what Florida has on the roster, where maybe some of the, you know, the numbers needs are for the next class. And then uh, I'd like to get your take on some of the new assistant coaches in, in terms of what you've heard on them in recruiting so far. So let's take a quick break. We'll be back right on the other side. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. 
Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome back to the Swamp 24-7 podcast. I'm Thomas Goldcamp here with Blake Alderman. Blake, I wanted to get to talking about the 2022 recruiting class. You know, you'd like to have a class where you can ideally recruit evenly across the board and not have a lot of positions where you're taking multiple guys because you have big class gaps. We haven't really seen that fully yet under Dan Mullen. You know, when, when Dan Mullen arrived at Florida, they recruited a little bit light at defensive tackle and kind of have had to make up for that in the last two classes. Uh, the secondary that they inherited was very veteran, had a lot of guys that were veterans, and you saw that with three senior safeties departing this year. You know, the last two classes, they've really signed a ton of defensive backs. But I think, Blake, Florida, from my end, seems to be getting to the place where they're a little bit more balanced in terms of not having to recruit scores of guys at any one particular position. No, I think you're absolutely right. And I think whenever you mention the defensive line and those guys in the secondary, you've just seen them have to take so many guys over the last several cycles. And you're just, I don't know that you're necessarily going to see that so much anymore. Um, you know, I know we'll get into um, some of those, you know, spots a little bit later on to where I think you'll see Florida try to take, you know, maybe a, a, you know, a little bit more than what you would normally think they would in a normal class. Um, I think running back is definitely one of those ones that I think you could see Florida take one to two maybe guys there, depending on how the board goes. And I think a lot of that has to do whenever you've got three guys off the rip. You know, you've got Malik Davis, you've got Damian Pierce, um, and you've got um, – uh, Those are the two, but Len Lorenzo Lingard. Lorenzo Lingard was one another one too, right. And I was about to say, I knew there was another one I was forgetting. So you're going to have some of those guys that are getting more – to be more of those upperclassmen type of guys. So I think if Florida can swing a second running back, I think they would do that. Um, but, you know, for the most part, I think overall you're starting to see things starting to balance out a little bit more. You're not having to see guys, you know, especially at defensive tackle where you take, you know, three or four guys and then still have to take some guys out of the NCAA transfer portal. So I think at this point you're starting to see things kind of balance out a little bit better, which is a great thing for Florida at this point. Well, Blake, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit because running back is one of those positions where it seems like there's always like an elite guy in the state of Florida, you know, a Lingard, a Demarcus Bowman. Is there any guy in 2022 that jumps out as that type of prospect that Florida would be after? You mean in the state of Florida or in just state in of general? Florida, yeah. Um, in the state of Florida, you know, it's, it's kind of a lower year um, when it comes to terms of running back this cycle, at least, at least in the, in the state of Florida, I guess I should say, um, you know, sure. There's a guy at IMG Academy and Katron Allen. Um, I think he's a guy that, you know, is very talented. Florida is one of those schools that he continues to mention that is talking to him a lot, but I mean, he's, he's not your typical Florida type of guy. And whenever you look at a guy from IMG, he's from Alabama originally. So you always have to worry about Alabama, you know, trying to get him back to come back to the state of Florida you know, I mean, even just kind of, I mean, I'm, I had to literally look right now to see know, some of those put, guys you on the spot just there. because it's, it, I mean, it is kind of a lower year at running back because like you said, there usually is one of those guys, you know, the highest rated guy that Florida has actually been recruiting out of the state of Florida is Terrence Gibbs. He's a four-star running back out of Winter Park High School. Um, but last year, uh, I think it was in the, probably the, the beginning part of fall camp. He had an ACL tear. I believe he actually tore the MCL and some other parts in there in the knee. So he's coming back from a pretty major injury. Florida has been recruiting him. 
He has some ties to Kiwan Ratliff, who has a lot of ties to the Orlando area. So, I mean, he's familiar with Florida. But I think for the most part, that could definitely be a position where Florida has to go out of the state, you know, and, and recruit some guys through there too. I think two guys that jump out more to me, you know, maybe not necessarily looking in the state of Florida, is Damari Alston. He's a, a four-star running back out of Woodward Academy there in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, he's a guy that I, I – I, he hasn't come out and named any type of leaders or anything like that. But I think that – or not Oklahoma, excuse me, Ohio State and Florida are the two schools that I just have heard him continue to mention a lot. Another guy, too, is uh, Felix, uh, Jamie Felix, excuse me, I'm sorry, out of Camden County. He's named Florida his leader for quite some time. I think Florida's okay with letting things play out, you know, maybe not pressing him to make a decision right now because he had an injury last year, too. So his numbers were a little over underwhelming. So I think they want to continue to kind of see more from him because he was a guy that was rated a lot higher, you know, heading into that junior year. Injuries definitely hurt him there. But I think that, you know, having a guy that's had Florida as your leader for quite some time, if you can pair him with another running back and you can get that being your second running back, I think that that would be a good get for Florida too there. Um, but, you know, another guy too that, uh, you know, really kind of jumps out too that Florida just had uh, on an, an, a, a Zoom uh, virtual visit, uh, not this past week, the week before on Sunday, was Omari in Hampton. He's coming out of North Carolina. He's talked to Greg Knox quite a bit. They get on FaceTime. He talks with Tim Brewster quite a bit. So the running back board overall is pretty deep. And I think that's where you're going to see them try to take two running backs because even though they've still had a lot of offers out they're still sprinkling in some new offers here and there so I think you're going to see them be pretty aggressive with trying to take some running backs and I think again that factors back to the fact that Florida has quite a few of those upperclassmen type of guys on the roster good stuff well Blake uh, any other positions on offense where you feel like Florida's need to be aggressive in, in taking some numbers you know, I think offensive tackle is one that really jumps out to me to where they really need to be aggressive. Um, and I think that's just from the simple fact that, you know, Florida has recruited quite a bit of guys, you know, sure. They're not landing, you know, maybe the Buku type of guys that you would want in a class. And, you know, you kind of look back and you, you think of, you know, what if, you know, and Florida has taken some underwhelming guys, you know, even last year they had some guys that didn't find their way into the class, you know, whenever signing day came around. So I think that, you know, Florida needs to continue to get better there. I think Tyler Booker, who another is another one of those transplant guys from Connecticut at IMG Academy, but Florida was on him very early. He has tons of offers. So, I mean, he's, it, it's going to be a big boy battle for him. And I think that Florida is squarely in the mix there. Addison Nichols, a guy out of Georgia, Florida had on a, on a virtual Zoom visit this past week. Um, I, I believe it was Thursday or Friday, one of those two days that they had him on. So Florida's definitely ramped up their efforts there trying to recruit him. Julian Armella is a guy out of South Florida that Florida's been recruiting really hard at offensive tackle. Um, I don't know that I could see him picking Florida today. I think that he's got quite a few options out of state. I think Miami is a factor in state as well. But I think, you know, some of those schools out of state, you know, LSU's, Clemson's, I think have his attention as well. Um, you know, those are some guys that I think that Florida's really trying to make a move with too on the offensive tackle spot. Kayshawn Sapp as a guy out of Lee County down in South Georgia that they had on a, uh, I believe he was on a virtual visit with Florida this past, not this past week, uh, not this week but the week before on Monday and they've been recruiting him very hard as well too. So I think getting those guys that are those true offensive tackle types is what's going to help continue to get Florida better because when you look at their offensive line, even guys like Stuart Reese, you know, Jean Delance, those are some guys that you just haven't seen some of those younger guys that have pressed you know, to get more playing time from those guys. And I don't know right. if that's just a fact if they're not ready or if Florida wants to go with some more veterans there. But I think getting some of those top-tier type of guys, the offensive tackle, that are going to continue to press some of those veteran guys, I think continuing to raise the floor of that room is something that Florida really needs to do. No doubt. I mean, you look at some of the guys that Florida's brought in. I think Michael Tarquin's a guy that obviously they brought him in as kind of a tackle prospect. But, but I mean, Josh Braun was a guy that at a high school we thought could definitely play tackle. And, you know, because Florida likes to get their best five on the field – 
Braun, from a physical standpoint, is better than some of the interior linemen that they brought in. So he's a starting guard right now, and that's one of your top tackle prospects. So I'm with you on that. Like Florida, I, I would like to see them recruit more true tackle types. And, you know, I, I say that, you know, John Hevesy has a, a pretty good track record of putting together successful offensive lines. Sure. You know, having said that, Florida hasn't really been great on the O-line the last two years. So um, I'm with you there. I'd like to see Florida do more in, in terms of offensive tackle. But I look at the numbers in terms of scholarships, and, yeah, Florida, like Florida needs probably minimum three guys, but probably more in the four, maybe even five range this cycle. Um, like, let's flip over to defense. Um, I know the defensive line's been a spot, you know, kind of a sore subject for Florida fans after they took just one interior lineman in 2018 and 2019. They've done a much better job the last few cycles signing, you know, Jervon Dexter, Lamar Goods, and Jalen Lee in 2019. And then following that up with, you know, Christopher Thomas, Desmond Watson, two guys that have a lot of potential physical upside inside a tackle. When I look at the roster right now, though, um, you know, after two years of having seemingly way too many buck types, the way that Florida shifted some guys around defensively with uh, Diabate moving over to middle linebacker, David Reese playing a lot more linebacker now than maybe on the edge. From a number standpoint, I think Florida actually is going to need a couple bucks in this class. Yeah, you know, maybe maybe one, depending on who the guy is, if you can get an elite type of guy, because there are some really good weak side defensive ends in, in, the, in, in the state of Florida for the 22 class. You've got a guy like Marvin Jones down in South Florida, Kenyatta Jackson, another guy down in South Florida. I don't know, you know, Florida's being definitely, is definitely being aggressive recruiting those guys. I think that they still have a ways to go because I think that right, you know, if they had to pick today, I don't know that it would be Florida for either one of those guys. That doesn't mean it much because those guys aren't making a decision right now. They're still fair game. There's still a lot of recruiting to go there. You even a guy like Dante Anderson, who's down there in South Florida as well. Florida's also recruiting his teammate Daniel Lyons at Homestead High School. You know, Jihad Campbell, another guy there that um, I believe he's from Jersey originally, but he's another one of those IMG transplant type of guys. Florida's been really active in recruiting him as well. So I, I think that it, if you can swing any of those elite guys, you know, I think you could see Florida, you know, sure, come on, jump on in. But I think one guy for sure, you know, is definitely one where they need to go. But if they can continue to add another guy in there or maybe even expand the board at a later point, you know, adding some other guys as they continue to get, you know, more eyes on spring football and, you know, kind of see how guys develop and do this and do that. You know, I think you could see them continue to go on there because like you said, you've seen some of those guys, you know, like a, like a Diabate who's come in and, and was recruited as that weak side defensive end position, but has moved into more of a linebacker spot or even if Florida, you could even see them do things like, you know, what they would want to do with uh, uh, Jeremiah um, Williams out of that 2021 class to where he's coming in as an outside linebacker. He's going to play linebacker, but he's got that versatility to where he can rush the edge in certain packages. So it, it, it's, it's, not a, it's, it's a little bit of a complex answer because you can have some guys that can do different things. But I think for sure Florida needs to get at least one true buck type of guy. And if they can get one of those elite guys in the state of Florida, I think they'd be very happy with that. All right, Blake. Well, I think that does a pretty good job summing up some of the chief needs, I think, in this recruiting class. And I mean, unless you have anything else that you think stands out, um, I wanted to get your feedback on the new assistant coaches in terms of recruiting. We've heard a little bit about Garrick McGee, maybe having some virtual visits with quarterbacks on the board. Anything you can tell us about either McGee or Wesley McGriff or Jules Montanar from, from speaking to some recruits? You know, I think the first guy that jumps out to me just from hearing what he's, you know, what recruits have had to say is Jules Montanar. Whenever you hear a guy, 
he's young, he comes in, he's going to, you know, he's aggressively wanting to work hard. He's going to want to hit the recruiting trail hard, you know, coming from being a recruiting coordinator at USF, he's had stops at Bama and Georgia. So, I mean, he's been at some programs to where he knows that recruiting is a lifeblood. He knows that you have to continue to, you know, hit the ground running. And I think he's, he's done just that. You've seen him come in and jump in with a bunch of new offers. You, you know, you feel like you hear, you know, I've even had a, a transfer portal offensive lineman tell me that he was talking to Jules. So, I mean, you're seeing a guy that who's being very aggressive, you know, and talking to different guys. He's trying to make sure that he locks up some of those guys in the state of Florida that are defensive back type of guys. So I think you're seeing a guy that's very young. He's very relatable. A lot of kids. That's, and that's I think, what they wanted. And that's what the staff needed. You know, you needed some guys that are going to be, you know, aggressively trying to recruit, you know, not just calling a guy here and there and, you know, checking in every once in a while is a guy that's going to check in on you. If not every day, every other day, he's going to, you know, get you on a zoom call. He's going to want to talk film with you. He's going to want to do different things. So, you know, even a FaceTime call, which is, you know, could be pretty casual, but it's just a chance for you to get to put eyes on him. So I think that that's one of the more encouraging things that he's very aggressive with it. And even Garrick McGee, you've seen him get, you know, get hired. He's extended out a bunch of new offers for Florida. I think three new quarterback offers for Florida that were put out by him. He's done a lot of Zoom calls with guys like Nick Evers. Um, he did one this past week with Cade Klubnik out of Texas. Um, and Florida's actually going to be having him on a virtual visit on Wednesday evening this evening You know, with the whole staff to get him to show everything around campus and, and get him a better feel just because of the dead period that's been going on. It's keeping guys from visiting campus. So you need even uh, Sam Horn. Is another guy that he offered. I, I feel like Missouri is probably the team to watch for Horn at this point. You know, we'll see if anything shakes out down the road. But, you know, Nick Evers um, and Cade Klubnik are two guys that McGee has been talking to, if not every other day, every day. And it's, I feel like every time I ask those guys, you know, hey, is Florida set up a virtual visit with you? No, but I'm having a Zoom call with McGee tonight. So, I mean, he's not only talking to these kids, he's getting their parents on a Zoom call. So, he's definitely – he seems like more of a relationship builder. You know, not to say that Jules isn't one of those guys that's not a relationship builder, but I think he's more aggressive with his recruiting. But I think uh, Garrick McGee is one of those guys that's really going to work hard to get to know you, your family, different things, what makes you tick, what can make you come to Gainesville. And I think that's really encouraging there. And even Wesley McGriff, I don't know that he's going to come in and he's going to be this really big dog on the recruiting trail, but for the most part, talking to a lot of kids, they've seemed like he's very relatable, even if he is an older guy. He's kind of laid back. He's, you know, kind of that cool uncle that, you know, I've had one guy mention that to me too, um, you know, but he also seems very knowledgeable of the game to where guys feel comfortable. You know, if I go to Florida, I think that he can coach me up and he can be, put me in a spot to be successful and get me to the next level. And I think whenever you lean on having a lot of that SEC experience, having a lot of that, you know, NFL type of coaching experience. I think that that's something that you can sell to a lot of these guys. And I think that's where his bread and butter is going to be. Well, I appreciate the update, Blake. I know everybody's kind of excited to hear how those hires go. And, and from my standpoint, I think, you know, when you hear about a guy like Montanar just being constantly on it, I think that's what Florida has been missing a little bit. You know, C Rob's obviously a guy that has done that. And, and, you know, I think Christian Robinson obviously couples that with the personality to really connect with families. Um, but I think with McGee too, I mean, like you talked about being a relationship builder to me, that's what you want in a quarterbacks coach, right. at least in terms of recruiting quarterbacks. Now, Brian Johnson was kind of a, an outlier in the fact that not only was he good at recruiting quarterbacks, but he could connect with anybody. I mean, that was always going to be hard to replace, but I think when you're recruiting that quarterback position, that's such a, a unique spot in terms of you really are the guy or are not the guy for three to four years and you need coaches that can coach you up on that process and recruit you basically to, to, you know, for Dan Mullen's system to be patient. And so to hear that McGee is a, is a relationship builder, I think is a good thing for Florida. 
Right. But, I uh, think he's going to be a guy too that, you know, he's going to start offering guys, you know, when they're younger and those relationships are going to start dating back. You know, sure, he's a little bit against the grain right now just because the fact that he has to offer guys that are in this cycle now. But I think as he continues to watch film and kind of get things out of the way, I wouldn't be surprised if he starts offering some of the younger guys to where he can continue to build those relationships very young. And then, you know, by the time they're juniors and seniors, they're very strong. Yeah, no doubt. And I think having Dan Mullen, obviously, you know, on the offensive staff, that, sure. that's going to help things a little bit, you know he's always going to be there to sell his expertise in training quarterbacks. So you'd think McGee would have a pretty easy job recruiting those quarterbacks going forward. But Blake, I don't want to take up too much time. You know, we like to keep this show kind of short and to the point, uh, especially for those viewers on YouTube that might be listening to us for the first time. We really try to keep our podcast to 30 minutes, hit on the issues we want to talk about and move forward. So one last thing before we go, Blake, I wanted to plug our swamp247.com VIP promo that we have going on right now. Because CBS All Access, which is included with the 24-7 sports subscription, where you can get all of our insider Florida football news, Florida basketball news, any nuggets that we have from closed scrimmages or closed practices this spring, you can get all that with a Swamp247.com membership. And included with that is CBS All Access. Well, CBS All Access is going to be turning into Paramount Plus, and, and obviously that platform starting on March 4th is going to become kind of a new streaming service. And we're really excited about it. It's got a lot of cool offerings. If you've got kids, got a bunch of SpongeBob. Uh, if you're, if you're a, a Trek nerd, a Star Trek nerd, uh, we've got a lot of cool shows on there that you'll have access to. So right now, the VIP special that we're running on Swamp247.com is 50% off for an annual VIP subscription, meaning you would pay just $4.50 a month for a year-long subscription to Swamp247.com. That gets you not only all of Blake and my coverage, Bob Redmond's coverage, all of our insider uh, recruiting updates, all our insider football recruiting updates or football updates from spring practice for just $4.50 a month. The CBS All Access alone is worth $100 a year. So you're getting a really good deal. If you want to take advantage of that, you've got until March 4th when Paramount Plus launches and it'll grandfather you into all that. $4.50 a month. Go check the site, swamp247.com. You'll find details there. But Blake, that's going to do it for us today. One last thing I wanted to do is, again, thank you guys so much for all the support on the YouTube channel so far. It's been, it's been absolutely phenomenal. Over 600 subscribers in like a week and a half. So if you like this video, if you like the podcast, being on YouTube, want it to continue to be on YouTube, YouTube, just hit the like button and be sure to subscribe to the channel. That'll do it for us today, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.